You're listening to Film Festival Secrets, episode 19. I'm Chris Holland. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to mention that I'll be running a crowdfunding campaign for the Atlanta Film Festival. Uh, that's going to start uh, mid-November of 2014, if you're listening in the future. And you can learn more about that at atlantafilmfestival.com fund. Uh, so for the next few weeks, you may notice that the blog and uh, future episodes of this podcast will be a little heavy on the crowdfunding stuff. That's because that's what's on my mind right now. Uh, I hope you find that useful. And uh, to get that kicked off, we're going to start off with an interview with Julie Keck and Jessica King, a filmmaking and writing team uh, who established themselves as accomplished filmmakers, but also as social media and crowdfunding experts. Uh, It sounds like almost by accident, but they've become pretty good at it and uh, have consulted on a number of uh, crowdfunding projects, raised about $300,000 in the process. So... I think they're, uh, you know, they're people worth listening to. I first encountered them on Twitter, appropriately enough, uh, through a mutual friend and festival director, uh, who then introduced me to them in person at South by Southwest a few years ago, and I've been tweeting back and forth with them ever since. But when I saw they had released a book called Social Media Charm School, I bought it instantly. Like I knew I wanted to read that book. Uh, it's on Amazon as a Kindle book. It's pretty cheap. I suggest you you uh, pick it up. And about 10 pages into that book, I realized that I wanted to have them on the show. So here they are. Julie and Jessica, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And by here, I mean in front of a microphone in what is presumably your very comfortable home. <laughs> so comfortable. So comfortable. Now, uh, we agreed not to do this on video so that... One of you wouldn't have to do her hair. I won't say who. But the <laughs> other one Jessica. did her hair. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Chris. Oh, no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, a. I mean, it is and it isn't a departure. I think of the filmmakers I know, you guys have one of the most consistent and engaging social media presences, if that's the right way to say that. Sure, sure. Thank you. It's a little unusual, I guess, because, um, you know, it's uh, one account for two people. I mean, you guys are very clearly a partnership. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that affect the way that you you know do your social media stuff? Is one of you more of the, the person who does the hands-on stuff? Are you sharing the account? How does that work? We do share it. Um it used to be, I used to do a little bit more of it. Um, this is Julie. And um, I did more because I was working from home uh, on my own. And so I did a lot of that during the day um, and some at night. But actually now we both work from home, um, usually sitting right next to each other like we are right now. And so um, we both do it. Um, but always it's been very consistently both of our voices. Yeah. Or our combined yeah think voice which is a little you know playful and you know engaging but also like we'll take on serious um stuff as well uh and so we could easily like if we both sometimes we're both tweeting from our account at the exact same time and for the most part people can't tell unless we start playing that we're doing that as well with ourselves which is each other on the same account which, which is weird odd <laughs> no one should do it I, I don't even try to guess which one is which I just, <laughs> oh, it's, it's them 
But I, I'm guessing the account, Jessica's the account originally yours because it's Kings of Fink. Well, the we just we call like our company is King is a Fink, and that is it is a play on my name. Um, but it we started it together when we uh, like five years ago when we decided that we wanted to see if we could connect with other filmmakers, um, and so we started it as a joint account and have maintained it that way. Yeah, and we've talked about having our own before. Um, so partly so that we could play with each other and have our more, have more individual voices. Um, but then we didn't partly because I didn't want to maintain my, our, my own individual account and the King is a Fink. And then, um, any clients that I take on, cause I also do social media for other people. And so, um, we just kept it simple Yeah, and, and it's um, our brand. So I think it's fine. Yeah. Now that's, that's interesting because I mean, I have a, personal Twitter account, Stomp Tokyo, mm-hmm. and I also have um, FS Secrets for Film Festival Secrets. And right. For me, I felt it was important for me to have the personal account where I could go and curse and be an idiot and drunk, uh, not drunk, <laughs> tweet after <laughs> I had had a couple of drinks, let's say, and, um, you know, and then have the professional account where I followed the festival people in my life and where I interacted professionally, but you guys have just sort of, not only have you thrown your business and your personal identities together in one account, but your individual, like your personal, you're both on that account. Right. Um, Yeah. Was that a decision or did that, that's just sort of how it happened? You know, it's, it is just sort of how it happened, but I also think that's how we prefer it. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, I there those are both are totally legitimate ways to do it, to have a separate, yes. you know, business and personal account and to or to combine them. Um, for us, I think part of it is we just kind of are who we are and we don't mind saying, you know, having those um, inelegant moments be a part of our brand because um, those also are part of who we are. So. And we don't get wasted a lot, and so we don't have to worry about that part as much. But oh, I didn't say I got wasted a lot, but there, no, there course, are those times. Of course not. Um, and that's, but yeah, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. And I don't think, I know, uh, I wouldn't, I, I, like, we each have our own Facebook accounts. Um, and I don't care. I don't care to post things very much, like, on Facebook that are super personal and I don't think I would care to do a lot of personal tweeting either. Like I like tweeting as an entity and as a part of a community and I don't know that I, it would be useful for me as just an individual person. Yeah. I would say if we were scared that we were going to lose business or um, lose collaborators because we suddenly started being ourselves. um, I mean, that would be a, that would be a reason to do it, except we we really do not want to work with anyone who doesn't like us personally. And so right. we just toss it all in the same bucket. Interesting. I, I think for, for me, when I made that decision, it was more about, I mean, th- there was the personal aspect to be sure, but there was also just the dilution of that business message. And maybe I was overthinking the marketing end of it. Um, but you know, I like to tweet about 
cooking and what I'm watching on television <laughs> right. and, you know, who politically is an idiot or, you know, and so <laughs> I didn't want that. Not that I thought felt like I would drive people away, although I'm sure I would. And, yeah. and you're absolutely right. You know, I very strongly feel if you're not offending someone, then you're not appealing strongly to anyone either. Right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, you know, and I, this is what I advise to, you know, to people who, you know, filmmakers who are making their own accounts. Like, you know, if you have already built up an identity as a filmmaker and people on the festival circuit know who you are, then maybe you don't have to make a separate Twitter account for every feature film that you make. Certainly well, not for every short film you make. We, oh, 100%. Yeah, we agree with that 100%. Yeah, I mean, you have to be your brand now. And so, especially for a filmmaker, you know, when you make your first movie, well, for example, when we made our first shorts and we started, you know, um, we started using social media, so, so we had our own accounts and our own Facebook pages. And then I, we started to make uh, Facebook pages for every short film that we made. Um, and very quickly, that became completely unwieldy and totally untenable. And, you know, you're just kind of splitting your audience up um, and putting and like having them have to go to too many places. And so we very after trying that for a while, we decided to make everything as simple uh, um, right, and connected Facebook. as possible. So then we just have the King is a Fink Productions facebook page and then we can talk about all of our different projects and now it's exciting because you know we make um we make web series we have our ebook we you know we speak at different places and so we can just put that all in one spot instead of trying to wrangle audiences from different places mm -hmm. um i like that very much but i think that's you know for filmmakers who start making accounts for all their movies um I think they just don't understand that they're they're not just going to make this one movie that they have hopefully a long career ahead of them. And so I say be optimistic and make one hub for all of your millions of future fans. Yeah. I, I think when I made, I mean, it was 2008 when I started this account. I think the the rules or at least the rules as they were perceived were very different. Totally. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so interesting to hear that perspective on it. I don't know that I ever could combine those two at this point sure. or, or oh, really sure. would want to, but I kind of like having the two separate. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole point too. I think if you have to do it in a way that you enjoy, enjoying it is the first thing and yes. then feeling comfortable with it. Um, you have found a system that works for you. And so that's the one you should go with. Totally. I also, I mean, hearing you talk about not really having that much of a personal identity on, on Twitter, not much of your personal self leaks into that. Um, I know for me personally, like a lot of my certainly friends who are under the age of 30 don't have Facebook accounts or aren't there anymore or got rid of them because it, you know, it was uncool or they felt very strongly about the privacy or whatever. So Twitter is the only place where they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I think, uh, what, are, what are your feelings on identifying where, you know, which social media outlets you want to be on? I mean, do you, is it necessary to be on both? Can you get away with only being on, on Facebook? Um, how important are all of the other, you know, secondary and tertiary, uh, networks out there? Yeah, we, and we talk about this a little bit in the book, um, 
and whenever we go to speak on this, the we really do advocate, like, you have to like it. Like, you have to like whichever platform you're on. It has to work for your personality. And with your schedule. And with your schedule. Um, and just with your overall style. Um, and so we are definitely, we don't think you need to be everywhere. Um, we also, you need to be where you're, if you're, you know, an artist or whatever, you need to be where your audience might be. Um, and then I think within that there's choices. Um, so yeah, we don't think, uh, Facebook is becoming less and less, at least for us of a place we feel we ought to be. Um, I think we mostly just keep that up because we have, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think people need to go, if they don't like Facebook, then don't be on Facebook. And if you find a community on Twitter and you like that, stay there. Like, yeah, um, I feel a little more strongly. I really do think that anyone who is trying to connect with an audience outside of their friends and family, I think Twitter is essential. Um, I know not everyone likes Twitter, but I, I just think, um, you absolutely have to have a presence there. And it's okay if it's a small presence. It will grow. Um, Facebook, I see, is less essential, even though I still think, you know, when someone, however they get to it, gets to your website for your film, you know, or for you as a, a maker, um, people feel really comfortable when they see that you know, the little Twitter icon and the little Facebook icon. Somehow it, it sort of legitimizes you. Like, oh, okay, you put in the time to do that. and you can cultivate this community. And so people, those are the two that people are most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I think Twitter is way more useful. Yeah. Um, um, but there are people who are very, very successful on Facebook. So right. um, it just depends on, like Jessica said, your style. Yeah. And, and, and now schedule. we're seeing a lot more people really successful on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's a different way of communicating. But if you're good at that, that can be an incredibly effective tool. What... Uh what makes you, I mean, you say that you feel like Twitter is more useful or what, like, what is it about Twitter that's more useful? I think, um, because of your potential to connect with people you would, could never meet in real life. So, I mean, Facebook, no matter what your project is, you're always starting with that smaller base of your friends and family. And then it kind of grows out from there. Um, but so you're just kind of playing six degrees of, your project. Um, and again, that becomes very successful for people. But with Twitter, I mean, you just have the immediate ability to start following and um, interacting. and interacting with influencers and peers um, who can be on the other side of the country, on the other side of the world. Um, and and you can just talk to them. And they may not talk back to you, but... But some might. Some might. And um, they do, actually. I think Twitter... People, that's all it is, is people talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, that can, that's really effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite uh, influencer uh, interaction that you'd like to share? <laughs> um, well, sometimes I tweet with my friend Mia Farrow, but, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that she knows me, but, you know. But she has agreed to... She has agreed to have tea with us. But, um, yeah. No, I liked that one. That was a good one. Who else? Um, I get excited when we interact with Ava DuVernay. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not murdering her name. I admire her very much. <laughs> um, and other people who, 
like you could really see are putting out a lot of work right now who are great at making connections. Um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. And you mostly. And, you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I've had the occasional, uh, you know, tweet with Alton Brown, who I admire very much. Oh, nice. He, oh, yeah. he lives in the same town that I do. So sometimes that's a good connection. Yeah. My favorite one recently, and it's not even that recent, it's probably about a year ago, um, was another TV chef, Alex Gornish Shelley. Oh, yeah. Um, and after seeing Alton Brown on Sesame Street and knowing that she has, you know, or had a two, I guess, three year, year old now, I said, so when are we going to see you on Sesame Street? And she came back within like 10 minutes and was like, you're so right. I'm getting on the phone with my agent right now. Nice. So I haven't seen that guest spot on Sesame Street yet. I don't know if she was successful, but it was it was a good moment for me personally. Well, and it wasn't that wasn't an accidental moment. That's someone that you follow. That's someone that you're knowledgeable about. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you hold her um, in a you know in you have esteem. in high esteem, and then you tweeted something to her that you knew meant something to her. Yeah, and. You know, there's like the little competition with Alton Brown and there's, you know, you know, she has small children and that would be, you know, such a neat bit of exposure for her on many levels. And so what you did there was super savvy, was super savvy and super charming. I appreciate that. I hasten to add that I also have small children, so I was not just randomly watching Sesame Street <laughs> we or, or Sesame Stocking. Yeah, not Sesame Stocking Alton Brown either. <laughs> Which would be... That's know, a really whole other sad. thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. No, but that what you did there is the whole point of Twitter, I think. Yeah. I mean, you you might never talk with her again, but you might. And mm -hmm. I bet she, at least She'll for remember. a while, she remembered that interaction. You never know um, how reaching out like that will, um, will pan out. Yeah, well, as long as it pans out with her on Sesame Street, it's all good. <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's uh, dive a little bit more into the to the book. Um, I want to ask about the origins of, of the title. Mm -hmm. uh, Charm School is not something you hear a lot. I mean, I think people know what it is, um, but certainly don't know the history of Charm School and why you might have chosen that particular uh you know, title for, for the book. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Um, basically we, I mean, we feel like the, with the internet, it's been, it is, it's kind of the wild west and people act, um, atrociously much of the time. Um, and so we kind of wanted to bring back this idea of, Basically behaving in a respectful way in the way that, you know, people used to go to charm schools or etiquette class. And we don't mean like the stuffy, um, super proper put, you know, there's a salad, there's all these different forks you have to be aware of. But we just wanted to kind of harken back to this idea that, you know, behaving with civility and decency doesn't clearly come naturally to most people and might need to be cultivated. Um, and so that's sort of where we were coming from with the title. Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Well, and I think also just playing on the word charm, like yes. it is, we found that it's so easy to be nice on Twitter. Like I find that on Facebook, 
you know, people are either sharing their vacation pictures or they're ranting about something. And I, I do this as well. On Facebook, it's so easy, you, you know, on Twitter? on Twitter. Thank you. On Twitter, it's so easy for me to see your tweet or see something about your podcast or, you know, a film festival you just went to or worked with and say, oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. And it doesn't cost me anything to do that. It doesn't cost me anything to retweet your post. It doesn't cost me to give you a thumbs up on what you just said. And it's a nice well of positivity. And, yeah. I, and I also think those kind of positive interactions, um, like those are way more likely to lead you to um, some sort of successful connection, whether right. it's with an audience member or an influencer um, or someone you might work with in the future. So, yeah. And I think too it's Julie saying it's so easy to be nice. I don't think that's true for most people. I think most people, the default is something more base. And I think especially when you're invisible and anonymous ish, um, which I think when you're online, you know, you're sitting in your house and no one can see you. And I think it's really easy to fall into baser behaviors. And we've, we've seen this all over. We see this on Twitter. We see this in crowdfunding. Um, we see this, I mean, all of the stuff that's going on and I'm not gonna be able to say her name with that woman who's getting death threats for daring to speak about, you know, tropes, the, the that gamer are, culture, the gamer culture and tropes that, you know, negatively impact women and the kinds of, you know, the onslaught of just negativity and hostile base behavior. So it, to us, it's clear that people need some help. Um, knowing how to craft and cultivate and engage with people in a way that is, that is positive and more likely to lead to good things. So do you ever, I mean, given the sort of dual nature of your account, uh, what happens when the two of you disagree about how to handle a situation? Uh, we fight <laughs> off line off screen uh there's no. not a lot of they're fighting. slapping and punching no there's no physical violence shoving down stairs we don't even have stairs it's mostly you know we'll just talk about it um i don't think we've ever had anything major maybe in the early days um when i was handling twitter i do remember a few times where jessica was like you're laying it on a little thick with you know uh, someone she was like, you know, some away. influencer, right? I was, I was laying it on too thick. I was coming on too strong. I was wearing too much cologne, and she's like, "Dial it back a little. You're getting a little stalkerish." But mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it's fine. The the worst like bickering we get into is if we're both on at the same time and we both respond to the same thing from someone. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, you know, you get two tweets from King as a Fink that are just slightly different tones about the same thing. <laughs> um, I feel like that's the closest we get to sort of revealing the, the two little men behind the curtain. But um, yeah, there's not a lot of fighting because also this is, this is, it's fun. It's yeah. the most fun work we can ever do. So um, it's pretty harmonious. Well, let's talk a little bit about, about that collaborative nature then since we may have some folks listening who do have you know one account for their film that multiple people you know will be sharing and be collaborating on mm -hmm. um from a you know from a tone of voice standpoint do you have any tips and then also from a practical standpoint 
you know, is there a way to share that account without it just having, you know, being raw access to that account? Right. Sure. How do you guys do it? Well, I think this is, and again, we go into depth with the, in on this in the book in terms of uh, like creating a voice for your accounts. Um, and I do think like if you have a movie account and a bunch of people are going to be accessing it, I absolutely think that warrants some time sitting down and really thinking about, okay, what is the tone of this account? What is the voice? Um, and that all comes down to thinking about like, well, first, who is your audience? Mm -hmm. Like, are, you know, are you making, did you just make a documentary about um, rape in the military? Did you just make a, um, I don't know, a comedy? Like what? <laughs> those are two very different audiences and mm -hmm. you need to talk to those audiences in ways that is going to, I think, be in keeping with the tone and voice of your film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in terms of coordinating it, um, I highly recommend living with the person that you uh, run the account with. I find that that makes it easier for me. When, if you can't do that for whatever reason, I can't think of any reasons why not, um, then having a, a Hootsuite account I think is helpful because that is easy – it's easy for you to see what other what your other partners have done mm -hmm. and what has been scheduled if you guys schedule things and it's just easier to keep track of all the different conversations and I think um, and it creates sort of a home for all of that in one spot mm -hmm. um, but yeah if you have several people managing an account you do all need to be talking a lot you all need to know what you know um, what your me what your message is you know, for the day, for the week, for the month, what your next big milestone is, mm -hmm. where you want your audience's eyes to be driven to, and you you need to be on the same page. I actually wouldn't recommend having more than two, two or three people at the most be tweeting from the same account because it, it would get muddled. I would say um, if you have three people who have time to tweet, maybe maybe there's someone who's has the strongest social media skills and the other two people could be doing something else. Cause it also shouldn't take up all of your time. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that all sounds like actual work and you know, Oh yeah. The, uh, the tweeting and, and the social media is work too. I mean, definitely. Totally. Um, I think people are always interested in, in the, the tools that get used and you guys mentioned Hootsuite, mm -hmm. which I've used before. I currently use buffer, which I, I like a lot, mm -hmm. um, finding ways to schedule tweets and like sort of do the work on the front end and, and let it happen. But boy, do I wish sometimes I had somebody and why can I not learn how to silence my cell phone? I don't understand <laughs> what that's going on. That's okay. Uh, we, just, we wanted to send you text messages and talk to you at the same time. We want your full, full attention. Yeah, well, I, you know, I have the, the book open here on my phone because that's where my little <laughs> Kindle client is, but I just, I couldn't, I don't know, flip that switch. Uh, tools, Buffer, Hootsuite, anything yeah. else you guys like are dependent on day to day for, for, mm -hmm. uh, for tweeting and whatnot? No, Hootsuite's my biggest, yeah, the biggest thing that we use. Um, and actually scheduling was something that was really um, controversial to me in my own mind and heart and that <laughs> I have evolved on quite a bit. Um, now, because we, I, we handle, I handle so many different accounts, um, scheduling is essential for me. Um, and so I like to be able to do that, but also be able to make it personal. So Hootsuite. 
you know, with that I can schedule and be able to um, customize everything so that it doesn't look like it's a robot doing it because it's still a person. Yeah. Even if it's scheduled. Yeah. So there's a, a fair amount of um, page length, uh, uh, you know, some words devoted to the, you know, what kind of social media broadcaster are you? What personality do you have from sure. brats and bullies and flirters and, you know, uh, all of that. Um, I personally, you know, think it's hard to get a bead on, you know, without a personality test, right? Without Cosmo telling me how many points I have and what, kind, <laughs> you know, what kind of length skirt I should be wearing. Like, it's difficult to get perspective on your own personality. Um, sure. How, how do you feel like is the best way, if you can't tell from your own tweets, to find out what kind of a tweeter you are? I would say in looking at how people respond to you. So you're looking at your your replies mm -hmm. and, you know, what is the tone? Because you're setting the tone with your own account. And so that tone is going to be reflected back to you yeah. through the people who are responding to you. So first, if there's no one tweeting to you ever, like no one's ever responding to what you're saying, I'm betting you're the monologist who <laughs> is boring the crap out of people so much that they either aren't following you or tuning you out. If people are kind of, if people are very challenging with you um, or are often disagreeing with you, that, you know, this is... Well, we have the provocateur. Yeah, there. I mean, you're, yeah, you're kind of pushing people's buttons, you're challenging them, um, maybe you're bullying them a little bit if you're seeing some defensiveness, so... Yeah, I would say if you want to know what you're like, look at who's talking to you. I would do that, say that. And then the other thing, just look through your tweets and look for something really simple like diction. Do you have a large number of positive words or do you have a large number of negative words? Like yeah. look at the connotations of the kinds of words you put in your tweets. And if they're largely negative, you may be coming off that way. If they're largely positive and supportive, then you're probably coming off that way. Yeah. I think we cover this in the book. No one is all one right. type of tweeter. I mean, people have a range. Yeah, people have a range. And, you know, with different moods, like, some, you know, for us, sometimes we're, um, we're being business women, and yeah. other times we're just playing, and other times we're totally exasperated at this, you know, State of at our, <laughs> you know, the world. <laughs> so, um, you can be, you know, you can have multiple personalities, but um, you do have to know what your goal with your account is. And, you know, is your goal to challenge people and push buttons? Is it to create a community um, that can one day, you know, become an audience and, you know, purchasers of whatever you're making? So. And what if every tweet is just, I ate lunch in the sandbox alone again today, over <laughs> and over? I wouldn't know because I would never follow that person. <laughs> I can't, you know, that there certainly there are people who just use it to sort of, you know, line by line document their lives and only use it for personal reasons. I don't follow any of those people because I'm using Twitter for business reasons primarily. Mm -hmm. And so I want to connect with people who either want to buy what I might potentially sell or, you know, connect with them because we can help each other. Or, or the most fun one is that we enjoy each other. But I wouldn't enjoy the, you know, 
I had a ham sandwich for lunch person, and they they probably wouldn't enjoy me. They'd right. be like, ah, why does she keep talking about her web series? This is horrible. What'd she eat for dinner? Well, I didn't say that was me. It's a friend of mine. <laughs> oh, no, not, of course not. Not, no, not anyway. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, there's sort of a Trojan horse in your book. Gross. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was reading this lovely book on, on how to be a better Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, or whatever, and uh, suddenly I was reading a book about crowdfunding. Surprise! Yeah, what's that all about? <laughs> I... We see it as an extension of social media because crowdfunding doesn't, you know, no one's out on the, no one, you know, your crowdfunding is not a brick and mortar thing. I mean, I know some people do bring it offline, but it is uh, primarily something that happens when you use social media to gather people around you to give you money. And so we, for us, it, it didn't feel like a Trojan horse. Like we didn't feel like we were throwing, it's not like we didn't feel like we were doing like a, suddenly a chapter on baseball, which would have been a very terrible chapter. We're doing if, that. If written by us, because we don't know anything about, <laughs> I love baseball. <laughs> I love the I love the net. I love the touchdowns. I love the cheerleaders. I love everything about baseball. So yeah, we just, we do see, crowdfunding as an arena where I think all of the lessons we talked about in the previous part mm -hmm. of the book are like kind of hyper applicable because that the way people use social media during crowdfunding campaigns is super heightened. Yeah. I also, you know, we could have called it, you know, crowdfunding charm school. And I think even if we'd had the same book and we called it crowdfunding charm school, then they would have just flipped to the, that last section. And I really feel like we have people ask us questions about crowdfunding all the time. Yeah. And the first thing we start talking about is, well, media. what's your social media presence? What's your social media reach? You know, have you been building your audience? And by the time someone comes to me and says, Hey, I'm going to launch a crowdfunding campaign next month. What do I need to do? they're already kind of doomed because they didn't do all the pre-work with connecting with people and letting people know that they existed. Um, and so we really wanted to focus this on social media. And then, you know, if you're doing social media well and you do it for a while and you gather your crowd, then you can crowdfund. Mm -hmm. um, but you really have to do the, for the social media part first. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how you um, found your crowdfunding experience to be, but for me, it was very intense on the, the personal front. Okay. Like, uh, um, we spent a lot of time doing, and this is for the Atlanta Film Festival when we were like, about a year ago, we were raising money to bring um, more filmmakers to the festival. Mm -hmm. And we did a lot of careful sort of general audience research and looked back at our surveys and saw that the audience said the thing they liked the best about the festival was that um, we brought filmmakers in and they could meet the filmmaker who made the movie, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they didn't know per se that a lot of the filmmakers had paid for themselves to be there. Mm -hmm. um, so we decided that's our angle for, for crowdfunding. We're low on that in terms of what we budget anyway. So let's let people put their money where their mouth is and, and do that. So, from that standpoint, you know, I think we did a good job of giving 
people who don't know us personally as staff members a reason to to back us. Yeah. Sure. But I also spent pretty much every day on the phone and on social media, you know, asking people individually, not in big groups of people, not can you help me out, you know, this is my wall, but messages individually saying, you know, can you give a dollar? Just a dollar is enough. And sure. um, the the response, I mean, there were a significant number of people who had no connection to the fa- festival, but who gave just because it was me who was asking them. And because maybe, I guess, they felt flattered that I had singled them out. Sure. But for me, that's where social media was really handy, was I could put a message on my wall in the morning that said, okay, I'm still doing this crowdfunding thing, and these are the people I'm going to call today. Oh, yeah. And those people would all get a little Facebook notification that I'd mentioned them in a status update, and they'd read it, and they'd go, they'd do one of two things. Um, either they'd read the message which said, if you don't want to give me money, just don't pick up the phone. <laughs> uh, or they would um, they would go ahead and back without me having to make the call, which was, right. which was awesome. That's Sometimes right. They I, were like, I don't want to talk to Chris. I am. I donated here. Yes, <laughs> I, will, I will pay you to go away. Um, <laughs> oh, I, that's a way to do it. Anymore. All right, and you no, know, I I think the Atlanta right. Film Festival is very lucky to have you um, because you employed that strategy, and doubtless for many other reasons. Social media is social, and yes. it's not. You know, I think when other people do crowdfunding campaigns, they think it's just about the money. Like I'm going to put out this call that I need this money. And I, I exist, and so I should get it. And you obviously understood that it's about connecting with those people, people that you've already connected with before. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times we get these, and I'm sure you get them too. The You get a tweet from someone you've never heard of who's never interacted with you before, mm-hmm. and they say, hey, help me out, you know, help out my campaign, take a look at my crowdfunding uh, you know, page, uh, and give it, you know, give me some money. What an unfortunate, what a horrible way to say hello. What an awful way to introduce yourself to me. Hi, give me some money. That's horrible. But you actually, you had all these relationships and people like you, they trust you. Um, you, you share wonderful resources with them. They know that you're someone who, um, is true to his word. And so, um, yeah, you used your relationships. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. It also helps that I had backed some of their campaigns in the past. So. Well, sure. Uh, That's the whole community part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, nice. congratulations. That uh, was that was perfect. I, I kind of wonder, uh, you know, I haven't actually gone back and done a tally of how much I've given to Kickstarter over the years. Sort of <laughs> Don't do it. No. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, not backed... I don't know. I want to say I've probably backed 75 campaigns at this point. I believe I mean, it. It's yeah. such, it's exciting to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, see, look at you. You've given millions of dollars to, <laughs> right. you know, independent filmmakers <laughs> and other create. That is amazing. Other people like us, where our donations are a little smaller, um, but it's fun. It's fun to be able to do that. And think about it too. I think, crowdfunding is actually a great opportunity for people who aren't in the filmmaking community to get to be connected to the filmmaking community sure. and who who has not in their lives been you know 
fallen in love with the idea of being in a movie or, you know, being on a movie set. So, and I think that's something that indie filmmakers and film festivals can tap into and do. So are you guys working with any um, folks who are crowdfunding right now? We're not. Um, We haven't been doing that lately. Over the course of the past. talk to those people. Hmm? You just talk to the. Oh, I I have. I connected with some people at a film festival and I I gave them some advice. Partly, you know, the majority of our time right now is spent uh, producing web series. And so um, part of the reason that we wrote the book was that we didn't have as much time to consult on campaigns. And so now instead of writing the same, you know, massive advicey email, uh, we can just send them a link and say, hey, you know, um, it's a book. lot cheaper to read our book than to, 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 hire, to us. hire us. So, um, so yeah, we haven't, we haven't done it so much lately. So what's the, what's the next book? I know you're working on it. <laughs> it says right here, it's part of this, the Fink series. I know. No, we are very excited. Yeah. You know, uh, we don't, we're not going to share the title quite yet, but our Boo. future books are more, I know. We'll do that exclusively in <laughs> our next talk with you. Okay, so I'll hold you to that. But it's more about um, about living life. I mean, um, we've had the great opportunity, both of us, to have um, jobs in the social sector. I was a social worker for a long time. I Jessica, was a teacher for a long time. Yes, Jessica was a high school teacher. And then we got on this really exciting path where we got to be filmmakers and now you know we're social media consultants and so um we like what we've done here we like that we both work from home we like that we have this partnership together um we learn things every day about collaborating with other um other people in the entertainment industry and so we're gonna write some books along those lines awesome i can't wait (laughs) great Julie Keck, Jessica King, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. appreciate it. Okay. Well, I hope you found that as entertaining and educational as I did. Uh, To recap a little bit, you can find Julie and Jessica at kingisafink.com. That's K-I-N-G-I-S-A-F as in Frank, I-N-K.com. They're on Twitter as uh, kingisafink. I'm Chris Holland. You can find me on Twitter at FFSecrets, and you can find the show notes for this show at filmfestivalsecrets.com slash podcast, and look for episode 19. Thanks for listening, everybody.